Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if this is your first time tuning in, I just want to take a minute and welcome you into the Kelly family and just let you know this whole show, our whole mission is for you. So if you have a question and you're a new leader, maybe you're just trying to figure out some um, issues you're dealing with with your team, maybe you have a tough business decision, or maybe you just know of someone that would make an awesome guest for our show, any one of those, we would just love to start a conversation with you. The best way to do that, send us an email. Our email address is ROIPod, that's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. Again, R-O-I-P-O-D at iupui.edu. So this is an exciting episode. We are going to jump into another series. These have been uh, fairly popular uh, amongst you all, and so we have just heard your voice, and we want to give you more of these great series. So we are going to start a three-part series all about management and managing well. This is especially for individuals who are brand new managers. Uh, Maybe you're thinking about jumping into the management role. Um, So this is going to have a lot of really good foundational uh, pieces uh, that all directly tie to management. So let's get things started. I want to welcome Ray Luther and Tim Baldwin. Both are instructors for the Exceptional New Managers Toolkit. It is a brand new management training option offered by Kelly. Uh, So gentlemen, first off, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Delighted to be here. So, you know, we're we're talking about brand new managers. I know this has been something that's near and dear to both of your hearts, just having a lot of these conversations. You know, it's management is, is, is a prize jewel for many organizations. You know, we want people to grow. We want people to be uh, leaders and coaches, and we want to help, you know, move everyone forward. Um, yet, you know, as we've kind of talked and what's kind of inspired this, there seems to be a lack of what is said versus what is done, you know? And so I want to take a step back and, you know, let's talk about this toolkit, you know, that's that you guys have just started to, you know, craft um, and you're starting to offer. Uh, let's Let's go back to, you know, what was the the issue that kind of sprung this? You know what? We have to do something different. What has been done is not correct, and we need to figure out what is real and how we can move that forward. I'll, I'll start us, Matt, and um, I I think just to to back up to where the opportunity came from, uh, we Indiana University Kelly School was uh, in conversation with edX, which is a major platform of. Um, what used to be called MOOCs and are now online courses that you can take from lots of, you know, major colleges and universities. Uh, you can audit them for free or you can pay a, a very small nominal fee and you can get a certificate through the program. And so edX and IU were in conversation. I think edX approached us and we had some ideas for certificate programs. And one of the ones that uh, came out was, hey, there are a lot of young leaders and managers out there that aren't necessarily business majors, don't have formal training in business education, haven't taken a class. They've done really well at their job. Or maybe there's somebody who didn't even necessarily go to college. They, they started a role and they've done really well. They've been a great contributor and they become a manager. And can we offer something because we believe in the power of management so much and that management is a noble profession, can we offer something that gets somebody off on the right foot, gives them a little bit of science, but in a fun way, in a practical way? 
Uh, and so we came up with the idea of a toolkit. And, and actually, the toolkit is a way of saying we want to be very pragmatic and application focused. And we don't want to sit here in the theory all day. We want to talk about what works to help people work better. And um, especially new managers that are taking on their new roles. So Tim, uh, as a, a senior manager, faculty member, management faculty member in our, our department, had done some wonderful research on, you know, what's the difference between, you know, what a manager might say they do and what they actually do. And so we wanted to tap into his work to kind of create this toolkit and give, give folks something that's, that's actually going to be applied in a good way. And, and Tim can maybe expand on that one a little bit. Sure. I would just echo Ray's uh, excitement. I, I like to think of this as kind of an opportunity to reach the, the new management population, which is really important. I, I think it, at one level, it's kind of self-evident for folks that management is very important. We've all been, many of us have been managed, uh, sometimes well, sometimes poorly. Uh, and if you look at the success of organizations, so often people will say it just hinges on how well people are managed. You know, I've heard the adage that there's nothing more important than a life of a firm than how people feel in the way that they're managed. The problem or the challenge, I'd like to frame it as the opportunity, is that there's, there's something of a knowing doing gap is that unlike analytic skills, where there's specific training and you're tested, and you kind of either know it or you don't, uh, and a lot of quantitative things and the like. Management skill as an interpersonal is relatively soft, if you, you will, subjective. And there's a sense oftentimes that we're a lot better at it than we are. In fact, surveys of folks of their managers oftentimes reveal very low satisfaction scores with how they're managed. And yet, if we ask the managers themselves, they often feel like they're doing a pretty good job. They often sort of, you know, unskilled but unaware. And so our thought was this is a place where you could really make a difference. Uh, in organizations, there's a huge need, not just at investment banking, you know, uh, houses or consulting firms or, or large, but at the uh, small retail shops, the uh, uh, nurse stations, that there's just such a need uh, for managers. And so we thought this is a place where we, we might really be able to, uh, to up the level of performance. Ray had mentioned some research, just a real quick synopsis of a little piece of research that I've done over the last four or five years. And what we did is we uh, created a little in-basket exercise whereby you simulate the life of a manager by giving folks eight items that might appear in your email. Uh, and you have an hour and a half to address these items. But the big thing that differs from most assessments is you don't get any answers. It's what we call uncued. So just like managerial life, you don't have a multiple choice set of options. You are, you, you're faced with a situation and you just of your own instincts have to decide how to act. And what we have found is, is that in eight very basic managerial skills, the performance is very disappointing. We have a sample size of 24,000 folks from high-level managers to brand-new individual contributors, which is kind of our focus of people shifting from individual contributor to manager. And their performance is just very disappointing, maybe even arrestingly disappointing. If we turn that test into a multiple-choice test, people do very well. People oftentimes feel like they're quite skilled. And this is the gap, what we call the knowing-doing gap, that is really the impetus for this program. And so as Ray mentioned, what we're trying to do with this program is to create 
uh, a set of learning materials, videos, uh, practice uh, uh, exercises, um, and, and really choice readings that can help people understand how would you most appropriately address these management situations. And we think there's a real opportunity to close the gap. The cost of a bad manager is really, really high, and we're hoping to uh, somewhat alleviate that, uh, that problem. You know, I want to get to kind of the foundation because I want to start getting into some of these takeaways and some of the pieces in the course. You know, for, for many, I've been a part of organizations where it may not necessarily be, you know, the, the soft skills, as I think you just said, that got me promoted or got others around me promoted. It's really because they're the ones that were just, they just worked harder. They did their job with such, like, such they knew how to balance spreadsheets so well, and they were willing to take on those little bit of extra work. And, you know, it was kind of some of those things where, you know, for others, and I've had conversations with people that, you know, were former managers, what got them into their promotion, they think is going to, what's going to carry them through. It's like, well, I just worked really hard and I, I was so specialized at this one thing and that gave me such success, you know? So what, how do, um, before we even start, like how do people even begin to think about, you know, how can I, if I want to go into this management, if I want to take those next steps, what's the mindset first off, before even we jump into some of the actual things you do when you get into those promotion opportunities? Sure. I'll, I'll let Ray jump in on that, but let me just echo that uh, um, observation is that it's a very well-known phenomenon in organizations that when you uh, lose a sales manager and you decide to replace uh, him or her, you, um, you explore the uh, salespeople that you have and oftentimes are inclined to take the best salesperson. Once you put that person there, it is very common that you, you lose a very good salesperson and get a very bad manager. The same is often true in engineering, is you take your top engineer, make them the engineering manager, lose a great bench engineer, and get a poor manager. And the, the reason for that is not any, the people being um, uh, stupid or, or evil or sinister or misguided. It's just that there is a skill set associated with managing not just with doing. And so one mindset is it's not just being and a better individual contributor. It is a different set of roles, and the course is designed expressly to address that. It's not just become better at this. It's get you into a mindset, you know, and uh, we'll talk in, in a moment. The, the very first course in the series is taking charge with care, and the idea is making that adjustment, becoming a manager is a critical part. How you start really matters to your ultimate success. So I think that's a, a terrific point. Yeah, I would um, I would add we're uh, there. There's a new book out uh, called Teams That Work by Scott Tannenbaum and Eduardo Salas, and we're using it in a course right now. And uh, one of the major focuses of the book is every team has inputs, throughputs, outputs, and it sounds relatively simple when you say it like that. The challenge is, I think, a lot of excellent individual per- contributors that get promoted see their role as making everybody else as excellent as they are at the individual role versus how do I maximize the efficiency and output of this team and group that I have to manage, right? And maximize sounds very clinical and cold, but maximization means how do I get the most out of that human capital? How do I get the most out of the raw resources that I'm charged with managing? And how do I make it sort of a great place to work, right? I'm, you know, there's a there's a old saying that if you're a manager, guess what? You get to be the the topic of 10 dinner conversations around town. And I think that's an interesting one to think about where you're having a real impact on people's lives. And so how do you manage those inputs, throughputs, outputs? 
I think if most new managers or most young managers would look at it and say, ah, it's a different set of work. I have different responsibilities. I have different goals. I have different, they would start to think about it a little bit differently. And that's what we wanted to expose with the toolkit. How can we gently get you into different things you need to be concerned with versus how you performed as an individual contributor? Your excellence and individual contribution got you to be noticed, right? But it's not necessarily going to be what makes you successful at the next level. And that's really what the toolkit's all about. So let's get into the very first course. You know, it's taking charge with care. Where does that come from? What's kind of supporting that? How did that title get crafted? And then how is that going to help us, you know, begin to, as leaders, be the best managers we, we can start becoming? Yeah, well, I will say as a as uh, college faculty, we are, we are not unaware of the critique we get that we bring bias into the classroom. And I think the bias that the four authors have here is relationships matter, people matter, and we do want people to take charge with care, right? We want people to care about those that they are entrusted with managing for a company. And so we brought that bias and lens into it and says, what does it mean to actually um, think through how can I address these people that I now manage and lead as human beings? And what would be the most important toolkit items if we could put it down to not just think about the KPIs that may be set up for me or the revenue goals or the sales, but to think about that in the context of how do I build relationships with these people? How do I build trust? How do I build a culture, culture of psychological safety? How do I build a culture of cohesion and, and collaborative behaviors? And really that bias comes through in the very first offering from Brenda, which is establishing trust and credibility, right? How do you as a leader and you as a manager build that sense of trust with others, build that sense of trust in the group, and then use that to actually enhance and bring out the credibility that you need to be seen as a manager and leader that knows what they're doing. Uh, and she does a wonderful job bringing that to life. Um, from Brenda's class, we move on to mine, which is a... Um, kind of a deep dive into how do you know the team's work? So how do you really think through those inputs, throughputs, outputs in a way that allows you to maybe see things that you didn't see from your individual contributor role or dimensionalize things in the context of being able to know it so that you can play with that trust and credibility that Brenda talked about. Um, week three goes to Tatiana and Tim, do you want to take that one? I would. And, and I would add that uh, just to, to layer on, the uh, our goal with using that uh, taking charge with care as, a, as an opening you're I'm sure many people are aware of the greeting card that says you never get a second chance to make a first impression and that may seem a little hokey but it's so true and what the research shows that your entrance and your exits in, in managerial roles matter so much and so it's how you get started has lasting implication it isn't just the first impression it's your ability to succeed in that role has a lot to do with how you start. And we want to be overt about that and get people really geared up to get a good start. And so, um, you know, it, so then beyond the, uh, the, uh, the trust building and uh, uh, raise section and, and really understanding the broader team system, uh, Tatiana talks about habits and particularly habits that become critically important when you're responsible for others, not just yourself. So now you're modeling 
what other folks are doing, your sort of time balance um, and how you spend your time matters a great deal. The way in which you interact has a bigger point than just the two. Other people are watching in that and like. And so it's this kind of, you've seen that term used and the, the habits of successful people. And we very much model that with the habits of successful managers. These habits are shown to really help you succeed in that role. And then my section is, is really an attempt to, to, let's just put on the table what we know about where folks go wrong. You know, that's not often done. So let's focus on what people do right now. But I think it's really helpful to say, where do people commonly make mistakes here? You may make some of these, but let's get that right up front. It's normal uh, to make mistakes and be ready. And, you know, specifically, one of those is to, to overreact to feeling like an imposter. Many times, individual contributors, once they're played, sort of feel like, who died and left me king? And suddenly you're in this role of manager and you feel like, I don't know what to do. And that, that's very normal. That actually in some ways is helpful to, to be humble of what you don't know. You're far more likely to reach out for information and, and so on. But it also can have negatives where you try to, you know, uh, over rely on your authority um, to not be at all vulnerable, to try to do it all by yourself. That's another is to isolate yourself Rather than to reach out, you feel like I've got to know. And so you try to convey a false expertise that not only is not helpful, but very hurtful or dysfunctional to what you're doing. And then the final thing is very much like we were talking about uh, before, and that is putting others first. You know, you're in this role, you're over your head, you feel like an imposter. And so you just go, I've got to shine here. When in reality, your goal, if you use an athletic analogy, is not to score the most points. It's to try to help others score more points and win the game. That seems simple, but that's a mindset shift to go, it's not just about you. In fact, it's about them. And so kind of saying, I need to spend that time. Sometimes it's just in interpersonal relationships to make the, the funeral of one of the, your associates. That seems like, do I really need to do that? I've got so many things to do. But that's so important to their psyche and their mindset that it leads to you know, the kind of culture you want to build. So sort of recognizing that people oftentimes make these mistakes, feel like an imposter and overreact, isolate themselves, put themselves first and not kept, and others focus, I think can serve as sort of an inoculation to be aware of and try to avoid that in your own new management journey. I'd like to unpack one of those, you know, because obviously there's so many things and I wish we had time and, you know, but that's the whole reason the toolkit exists is for people to engage and get this content. But I think the feeling like an imposter is such a, such a common one. You know, I've had this conversation with, with people just as a parent. You know, I, at one point when I was a kid, I just, I thought that, you know, at some point in your life, you hit some age, didn't know what that age was. And then it was like the moment you hit that age it was like, huzzah, I have arrived. I am thus adult. And now I have all this wisdom bestowed upon me. And I think that same analogy is true in management. We look at managers and go at some point, like you just, you get this promotion and huzzah, like the answers come or like, you know, you arrive and you're, you are now set apart, cut from some special cloth. When the reality is, is you're just as dumb as you were. It's like, I was just as dumb as I was when I was a kid, except I know that the stove is hot, <laughs> you know, kind of thing, because I've made some of those mistakes. And so talk about that, that feeling of the imposter um, and, and the reality. I mean, how do you, as a manager, like recognize that, embrace that, and then use that as a strength to be a better leader, to be a more authentic leader? Fabulous question. Let me add a specific that, that is such an often... Uh, a challenge for managers, and that's managing people older than you are. 
That's a particular dimension of the imposter syndrome, maybe even older and more experienced because your organization made a very good choice that you are not the oldest, you are not the longest tenured, you are not the most experienced, but you're going to be the best manager in that role. That actually could be a very excellent decision, oftentimes is, but it places you now in a position where you sort of feel like I'm not the natural choice and everyone's looking at you with that crooked eye going, why you? And so I think a couple things come to mind um, and, and that we try to have folks work through. First is a humility that not a false arrogance or a false sense of control. That ability to say, I don't know, but I'll find out, okay, is really key. A respect for the input of others, reaching out, so not trying to do it by yourself or those sorts of things. And then I think a real transparency in what you're doing. I think what oftentimes creates um, uh, uh, dysfunction and dissatisfaction in management among the, the, the ranks of folks that are managing is they feel like they're not in the loop or they're not in the know. And that sort of sharing what I'm doing. So is that it's not unfair. It's not uh, in a dark cloaked room. It's here's how I made that decision. The more you can do that, the harder it is, I think, for people to say, you're, you know, in some way treating me unfairly or differently or something you get it. I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's hard. And there are folks that are going to push, and that's part of the, the, the job. But I think that, that sort of openness and transparency are, are some of the real keys to dealing with that dynamic. Could not agree more. I, I think from, a, from an, especially an external showing up, um, with others, right, to make yourself feel um, at least like you're taking the right actions. I think internally there's also a dimension going on where oftentimes the imposter syndrome is driven by the fact that we get into excessive rumination, right? Why me? Oh, my gosh, why did I say that? And, and rumination is not helpful. It's, it's been shown to not be helpful in any way in a therapeutic setting, in a coaching setting, in a leadership setting. And really the trick is, and we, we focus a little bit on this on course three, which we'll talk about in a few future podcast, is you have to get into how do I build self-awareness buttressed by self-compassion? Because if I can build self-awareness, I can actually take a look at, well, where are my strengths? Where are my opportunities? And I can have some self-compassion for when I make that mistake, when I may not know, when the person older than me has the wisdom that I don't have and I need to tap into that, right? That's a healthy way to think about growth and development as a leader as opposed to too much focus on, boy, I shouldn't be here, right? Well, no, you were there because they made a choice. They put you there, right? So yes, it might be a little bit, um, nerve wracking. It might drive a little bit of nervousness. Imposter syndrome is a real thing. At the same time, there's ways in which you can own up to who am I as a leader? How am I showing up? I can forgive myself for mistakes that can help you overcome that as you move through time. And, you know, I, I want to kind of pivot a little bit into your topic where you're talking about, you know, you knowing your team and how do you get to know your team's work and what they're doing and being just a part of, you know, their day to day, you know, talk about some of the, some of the content that, you know, you really dive that you've seen as an issue and that, you know, your part of the course addresses. I think the, this part of the course really focuses on, do you know your business such that the owner or the leaders above you would want the, want you to know it, right? You're now a manager meeting key key indicators, right? Key performance indicators, what we call them, key KPIs, 
Um, you're, you're responsible for having the system, your team, meet those KPIs. And so diving into the business and understanding of the business is really understanding how do you contribute to that greater sense of uh, mission or revenue or sales or customer service or whatever it happens to be. And oftentimes as an individual contributor, you don't get to see that. You don't know how the system's put together. So this part of the course is really what tools can you use just yourself to deconstruct what are the inputs that come into my team? How do I think about all the stakeholders involved? How do I get a sense of what we do with those inputs? And then what are we actually measured on? And how do I check in with the people I'm responsible to for making that happen, right? If I might just weigh in real quickly there, Matt, too, is that I think just like we talked about kind of the gap between people's um, uh, actual competence in a management role and how they're, they're, they're bringing that to life, you know, in a, in a lesser way, at least according to their, um, their reports or, or um, associates, is that what we found is an extraordinary illiteracy in what Ray is talking about. If you ask folks in a retail store how much of the uh, uh, revenue from the sales is directly margin or profit, they grossly overestimate it. If you ask folks what does it cost to make a cup of coffee at Starbucks, they grossly underestimate. You know, and the point is, is that people respect managers who really understand the why. Why are we doing this? How do we operate? And that literacy about what we're trying to accomplish overall as a unit or a group is really helpful and oftentimes lacking. So it's really an impetus to know your business, to be literate in your business and bring that to your management role. So part of the point there is it's not just interpersonal. This is also sort of strategic to think about. It's a very big part of management success is your relationship with your support, but it's not the only part. We're part of an enterprise and how are we, you know, defining success and going after that is very much a part of that role as well. And I know with, you know, sometimes new managers, there's a tendency or there might be a temptation to want to get overly involved in the data. Like you were mentioning, you know, understanding what KPIs are important, understanding how, you know, your team gets to, you know, meet certain criteria or setting goals. Um, There, there is this um, sense of, well, they get two in the weeds, you know, and then almost get paralysis by, you know, just undecision making because they don't feel like there's enough data. You know, how do, how do, you know, you address for leaders who are stuck in that, like wanting to get more data and more data and more data so they can make the quote unquote best decision at like what point does a, does a new manager say, you know what, I have enough to know and I just, I just got to make a choice and I got to, I just got to own it and we just got to move as a team and learn and be kind of humble in that. Yeah, I think one would be um, a great way to become aware of that is become aware of the internal and external feedback, right? If you see yourself getting into analysis paralysis, you talk to your team and you're talking to your bosses and other stakeholders and they're saying, we got to go, we got to speed up, we need a sense of urgency. That's one way to, to notice that really, really quickly, actually. Um, another way to notice is what, what's, the, what's the risk of the decision, Right. If there's a if the decision has a certain amount of risk that is, you know, the the business will shut down or you're going to lose half your revenue or half the employees will leave. I probably ought to take a little bit more time making sure I I take that decision with care. Um, And at the same time, if you're getting stuck on every decision, no matter how small, how big, et cetera, you're probably weighing too much time in front of the data. So what's the consequences of the decision? Um, How how can I use others? How can I work with others to actually help them? Do that analysis, trust in them a little bit. Um, there's there's lots of different ways that managers can can try to relieve themselves from some of that. 
you know, as we begin to kind of wrap up, I want to start preparing, you know, for next week. Next week, it's all about dealing with the daily drama. And I know we're going to have two more lectures uh, coming in. And it's going to be it's going to be really cool because the series is going to kind of bring a bunch of different voices um, to the table. So how can we take, you know, from taking charge with care, how can we begin to then change our mindset to build or what things are important to remember as we kind of go into into part two and then we can close out with any final remarks you know about this course as well i, I love that title uh dealing with the daily drama and that came from one of our uh fellow instructors uh brenda bailey hughes and her son it just took a new job as a manager and she said you know what's it feel like and he said you know it's just so tough to deal with the daily drama what oftentimes happens in these programs is we get very uh sort of academic and we have a list of the five things that are a good manager and we have a model of how to make a decision and how to run a team and it's just so sterile and clinical it doesn't really feel like you're at the front of running your hardware store or your um you know um uh critical care unit in a nursing station you know or your your uh, construction team and we wanted to make it real you know, in a very simple way. And that's the way people talk. That's not what it says in a textbook. That's not the article that's going to get published in a management journal. It's just what managers really feel like. It's the doggone daily drama that I face every day with the conflict with people of trying to, you know, get people uh, on board with something we're trying to do to uh, deal with the meetings and trying to make them efficient and not, you know, and now with online, you know, stuff and, 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 and uh, lack of interpersonal connection uh, that we've seen so much of, that's really what they face and what they want to know about. So it was our attempt to make it very authentic so that it feels like you're actually doing this program through the lens of somebody that's just taken on a management role, not a management instructor or professor or textbook. I would say that that is, that is one of the big keys, right? We, we at the risk of sounding um, not very humble, we're very proud of the fact that we're all Kelly School of Business professors, right? We're very proud of the fact of where our school is ranked on a MBA level from a full-time program, online program, our undergraduate programs, we're, we're among the best business schools in the world, and, and we take a lot of pride in that. At the same time, we also have a brand image of being known for helping people roll up their sleeves and get to work. And one of the beauties of this platform is we're able to bring some of that academic thinking in a very accessible way through the edX platform at a very low cost. It's free if you want to audit it or slightly you know, nominal cost. If you'd like an official certificate, you could throw on your resume or show to an employer uh, to take the whole series across the the certificate program. And so we're very proud of the fact that we've got a great pedigree. We take a lot of passion in this work, um, but we're also trying to make this accessible through that edX channel at a very uh, low and accessible price point for a lot of folks that may not otherwise have access to it. You know, and for, for those who maybe want to check out more, you know, those that are interested, maybe the conversation kind of sparks something where they just want to get some more information. Where's the best way and where's the best place people can go to check check out the edX program? Yeah, so the courses will be, they're, they're public, publicly available on, on edX. So you can go to the edX platform and you can search for Indiana University, Kelly School of Business, Exceptional New Managers Toolkit, any, using any of those search terms. Um, it'll come up. We'll throw the links and we'll, we'll give the links to you, Matt, so you can throw them up in the course website and, and bio and make sure that everybody has them. But uh, right on the edX website, if you go search for Exceptional New Managers Toolkit, you'll see it pop up. And um, there are three courses. And so you can take each course independently uh, or you can take the series of three courses and you can get the official certificate uh, if you pay the fee that's required um, and uh, go from there. Again, 
Ray Luther and Tim Baldwin, both are educators here at the Kelly School of Business and part of this exceptional new manager's toolkit. Thank you guys so much for sharing your wisdom. I'm excited for the next parts as we dive in. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week. Thank you.